Well, welcome to The Bridge as we kick off our brand new series, Summer at the Movies. Uh, my name's Scott and I'm the lead pastor here at The Bridge and I'm so glad you guys are here today. We are pumped about this new series that we're doing. We're gonna be in this series for the next four weeks. And what we thought we would take some of the you know, blockbuster hits that are out this summer and really try to see how our lives compare uh, to those movies and what we can learn from them. And I'll tell you where we're going over the next few weeks. Next week, we're gonna be talking about Aladdin. Uh, and then the week after that, we'll be talking about Men in Black. And then the last week of the series, the fourth week, we'll talk about Lion King. And so I hope you're here for each one of those because I think it's gonna be an incredible series, a lot of fun. And I really do think it's really relevant for our lives and where we are. Uh, today, we're kicking off Spider-Man. And uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. And uh, any Spider-Man fans? We got Spider-Man fans here at all? Yeah, yeah, I like Spider-Man. Spider-Man's cool. Um, we, we, Spider-Man Far From Home, really we were introduced to this latest version, uh, this current version of who Spider-Man is. We were introduced to him uh, back in 2016 when the movie uh, Captain America Civil War came out. And we're introduced to Spider-Man, this kid, uh, that we then see in another movie of his own, Spider-Man Homecoming, and then a couple of the uh, last two Avengers movies, we saw him portrayed in it as well. And, uh, and over the years, you know, Spider-Man has gone through different variations of people that play him. And maybe you've noticed that as well, but if you didn't know that, I'm gonna show you who they are. Uh, we got the pictures here, Tobey Maguire, anybody? Toby McGuire, yeah, you like to, okay, all right. Andrew Garfield, he was kind of just the man in the middle, right? I mean, nobody knew much about him. He came and he was gone. Uh, and now we have Tom Holland who is playing it currently. Uh, I like Tom Holland. I think he's doing a great job of playing Spider-Man because the truth is Spider-Man, regardless of which of those guys played him, he always came across, especially his alter ego, Peter Parker, uh, he always comes across as this goofy, geeky, awkward with the ladies, um, just a kid that, that it comes across extremely ordinary, okay? He's unlike all the other superheroes. He comes across as just this really ordinary person that was bitten by a radioactive spider, but he comes across as other than that as just an ordinary person, someone I think that we can relate to in a lot of ways. Um, in fact, I wanna show you a video clip. This is actually from Spider-Man Homecoming and uh, just a video clip that kind of portrays Spider-Man as this ordinary person. Check this out. <laughs> just goofy, right? I mean, just the ordinary person that uh, is helping, you know, little ladies across the street and getting paid with a churro, uh, you know, just kind of comes across as geeky, goofy, ordinary. When you think of superheroes or heroes, you don't really think of ordinary, right? That's not the term we typically put with hero. We typically put, you know, extraordinary, you know, there's this, uh, it's these aliens that come from different planets that possess these superhuman powers and strengths, or, you know, it's these rich guys that have all this money and gadgets that they can do, you know, crazy things with, but you don't think ordinary, but, but that's what we get with Spider-Man and whether you like Spider-Man or some other superhero, I think all of those movies really 
portray something that I believe is a reality in life, and it's this. We all need heroes. We all need heroes. I mean, that's why when we see people that are doing heroic things, that, are, that, are, that have heroic character qualities about them, that we take notice, we stand up, we applaud, we cheer them on. Uh, it's why movies that have a clear hero that defeats evil, they're the most popular movies. They always do well. It just points to the fact that all of us in life, we need heroes. We need people that we can point to that say, this is a person that's doing heroic things. And in Spider-Man, we see a hero, but we see one that's just really pretty ordinary. And I think what we find in Spider-Man is what we'll look at as the bottom line of today's talk, and it's this, that real heroes come in ordinary packages. Real heroes just come in ordinary packages. It's not, you know, it's not something extraordinary, not the ones in real life, not the ones who do real heroic things on a daily basis. In fact, when you look at the scripture, when you look at the, what the Bible has to say, the Bible talks about in this kind of like a common thread, a common theme throughout the scripture, is that God chooses ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. In fact, I want to show you some of the verses in the Bible about some of the heroes of the Bible and what it says about them. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, Isaiah gives a prophecy about a hero, but here's how Isaiah describes one of the heroes of Scripture. In Isaiah 53, verses 2 through 3, says this, He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. This looks, sounds like somebody that you really wanna follow, right? I mean, it sounds like somebody that's just gonna go out and set the world on fire. Anybody have an idea of who Isaiah is describing there? Jesus. I'd say the greatest hero that's ever lived. This was Isaiah's description. It's a prophecy about who the Messiah would be and the kind of ordinary persona that Jesus would carry. In fact, he, was, he came into this world, was born in an animal stable and was laid in a feeding trough right after he was born. There was no fanfare. There was no pomp and circumstance. Nobody strike up the band. You know, the king has arrived. There was none of that. He was raised in a carpenter's home. He never had great wealth. He never really traveled very far from his home. He didn't write books. He didn't go on a speaking circuit. He wasn't someone that people looked to and said, oh, wow, we've got to follow him just because of the, the person of who he was or what he looked like. They did follow him because of the things that he was doing and teaching. But there's nothing about his appearance. Everything about his appearance was more ordinary than extraordinary. And then his disciples that he chose to follow him. I mean, he didn't go, you would think, I mean, this is God coming into the world. You would think he would go to the, you know, if we're gonna really build a following here, if we're gonna get the, the message out to the world, then he's gonna go to the, you know, the high, you know, high rollers, right? The movers and the shakers, the most powerful people, the elite of the social classes, the, you know, the people that's gonna get things done. They're gonna have a following. He's gonna go to the ones that are most biblically literate. They're gonna understand the scripture. No, that's not what he did at all. In fact, he went the opposite direction. He chose people like fishermen and tax collectors, people that were not viewed in a very good light 
in society. That's who he chose to be his closest followers that he would build into that someday would carry on the work of the ministry that he started. And then the apostle Paul describes to us all of those who have been chosen beyond those first disciples. And listen to the description he gives to all of those chosen starting after the death and resurrection of Jesus all the way to those of us who are Christ followers today. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. He says this, brothers and sisters, consider what you were when God called you to be Christians. Not many of you were wise from a human point of view. You are not in powerful positions or in the upper social classes, but God chose what the world considers nonsense to put wise people to shame. He chose what the world considers weak to put what is strong to shame. He chose what the world considers ordinary and what it despises, what it considers to be nothing in order to destroy what it considers to be something. He chose those who are ordinary to accomplish the extraordinary. I mean, just imagine the greatest message the world has ever been given. And it was entrusted to people, not the, like I said, not the movers and shakers, not the high rollers, not those in elite social classes. It was given to ordinary people to carry around the world and to make the love and the mercy and the grace of Christ known. Ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. And see, here's what that ought to tell you. If you're walking in here today, it ought to be good news for every one of us. Because if you, if you walk in here today and you think, you know what, you're talking about heroes, my life. There's nothing about my life that's heroic. There's no way I could ever do anything extraordinary in life. You're talking to somebody else, it's not me. Well, see, this ought to be a reminder that God intentionally chooses people, not that are, you know, like I said, the up and comers, not the movers. He intentionally chooses people that are broken, that are hurting, people that have issues, weaknesses, people that have more baggage than they care to ever admit. And it wasn't that, you know, okay, I got to choose you. Okay, you're the last one in the group. Come on, I'll take you. No, 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 no. First pick, I'm going with the broken. I'm going with the hurting. I'm going with the damaged. I'm going with the ones with issues and problems and baggage. You're on my team. He chose those of us that had all those things intentionally to accomplish something extraordinary through our lives. See, that ought to be good news to every one of us. That, that, that God intentionally would choose us to accomplish extraordinary things. In fact, I would even say that if you, you know, if you have the mindset that I got my act together, I'm kind of perfect in a lot of ways. I know you would say that out loud. Kind of perfect in a lot of ways, especially compared to these people in here. I'm wise, I, you know, I'm slick, I'm cool. I got it all together. I, I'm not even sure God can really use you because it's those people, only when we're willing to admit, you know, our brokenness and our humility, our dependence upon him, that's really when God says, you can be most effective. But when we're kind of sitting back saying, I got it all together, I got everything perfectly lined out, I'm, I'm, I'm good. 
That's when God says, you've got to understand that the most effective people, the most extraordinary people are the one with qualities like humility and brokenness. The one who comes to me damaged. See, that was one of the reasons we even say no perfect people allowed. I mean, not, not just for the fact that it allows me to come here, but it's so that we understand if we get too many perfect people in here, it's really going to limit our effectiveness in changing the world. And so we, we come together dependent upon God because we understand our imperfection. And God says, I'll use you to do extraordinary things. That ought to serve as good news for all of us. Now, if you're still sitting here and going, you know, Scott, okay, that's all fine and good and all that, but you don't know. <laughs> you don't know what I'm bringing in here. That's why you can say that. If, you, if anybody in here knew, you'd kick me out. I cannot be used by God. I am too damaged. There's no way. So let me give you a couple of thoughts, hopefully to challenge your thinking a little bit, okay? Number one is this. Never allow who you aren't to keep you from being who you are. So that's what we do, right? So often we focus on who I'm not, who we aren't. You know, I'm not a big eloquent speaker. I'm not, you know, well-trained or well-versed in the Bible. I'm not, you know, one of those people that is like a mover or shaker. I'm not, you know, the, the wealthiest. I'm not the most intelligent. I'm not this, I'm not this, I'm not this. And we focus on all these things instead of focusing on things that we are. Because the truth is God has gifted you. He's given you talents and abilities. He's given you passions. He's created you exactly the way you are for a reason to accomplish a purpose that he intends for you to accomplish. He's given you all of those things and even your experiences even your bad experiences, God can use those to shape you into the person he wants you to be so that you can make a difference in this world. So focus on the things that you are, the things that God has given to you, the, thing, the abilities, the, the, the gifts, the talents, the passions, all those things that God has given to you, focus on those things. How can those things be used to make a difference in someone else's life? Uh, we started off this year in a teaching series that we did in January called The Best Year Ever. And we talked about it. This is gonna be the best year ever. It's gonna be a year that's characterized by things like purpose, where you live with a sense of purpose. And you get to the end of the year and you can look back and see that you've made a significant difference in someone else's life. That it wasn't a year all about you, but it was a year where you were able to give yourself away and make a difference in someone else's life. And I would tell you that the way you have been created, the, the shape that God has given you, the things that he has given to you, he intends for you to use to be significant in the life of someone else. You know, the Apostle Paul, he talks about in 2 Corinthians how he has his own weakness. And he never tells us what they are. But he says they were such that he felt like they were limiting his ability to be effective as a minister of the gospel. And it says that three different times he went to God and said, can you please take this? He, he called it a thorn in his flesh. Can you please take this weakness away from me? It is affecting my ability to be able to be the minister that I need to be. Can you please? He prayed about it three different times. And in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9, we see God's response. And then we see Paul's response in light of what God says. He, here's God's response. My power is made perfect in weakness. 
he looks at Paul and he says, listen, my grace is sufficient for you, okay? And my power will be made perfect in your weakness, not in your strengths, in your weakness. And so Paul's response then, he says, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Now that's not usually a theme that goes over well, right? This week, let's go boast about our weaknesses. You know, nobody's signing up for that conference, right? That's not something that goes over well. We don't wanna talk about our weaknesses. We'd rather talk about our strengths. We'd rather people see a good image of us. And Paul says, listen, it's in those weaknesses that I understand that I have to be more dependent on God than in any other part of my life. And if God is actually using me in spite of my weaknesses, then I wanna boast about those weaknesses because it's, it's evident that God is the one that gets the credit for, not me. Nobody needs to walk around talking about Apostle Paul. We talk about God and how God is using me. And it becomes most evident through my weaknesses. So instead of, you know, focusing on things we aren't, maybe we should focus on things that we are. Another thought that I'll give that challenge you a little bit, hopefully, never allow what you can't do to keep you from doing what you can do. Again, not only do we focus on what we aren't, we always focus on what we can't do. I can't speak in public. I can't sing. I can't play an instrument. I can't give a lot of money. I can't go to Africa. I can't, I can't, I can't. Okay, great. Well, what can you do? Because the truth is everybody in this room can do something. Everybody in this room has gifts and abilities and talents that can be used to do something. You have abilities and talents coupled with your personality and your temperament, with your experiences that are unique to you. And I have those things that are unique to me. But when we come together, God uses us to make a huge difference. So what can you do? I understand it. You can't do this, can't do that. God didn't create you in that way. But he created you with gifts. He created you with abilities. He created you with opportunities. How can those be used? In what ways can God be glorified through the things that you can do? One of the, in one of the movies, it was the Civil War, um, Captain America Civil War. And Tony Stark goes to Peter Parker in an effort to recruit um, Peter Parker. And he goes there and he has a conversation that really turns into a conversation about responsibility. And I wanted you to see what they talked about, but more importantly, I want you to see how Peter Parker answers the question that Tony Stark asked him. Check this out. Think about that for a minute. He said, when you can do the things that I can, but then you don't, and then the bad things happen, they happen because of you. See, see, I think what he's saying maybe to us is that God has given you abilities and gifts and talents that are unique to you. He's given them things, those things to me that are unique to me. And anytime we intentionally choose 
not to use those things to, to address the opportunity that God brings in front of us. That at the very least in those moments when we choose to say, you know what, I'm gonna let somebody else do that. Somebody else can come along and take care of that. When we make that choice to not use those things to accomplish whatever it is, the opportunity that, that is in front of us that God brings along. At the very least, we miss out on the opportunity to make a difference in that person's life. I don't know what things might not happen because of that, but in a very real way, it happens because of us. That we're choosing not to do something that God has given us the opportunity to do. James was a guy, was one of the early church fathers. He was a half brother of Jesus. And he wrote a book in the Bible called the book of James. And here's what he says in chapter four, verse 17. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. If you know the good that you ought to do, if you've been given the opportunity to address it and you have the abilities that God has given you to deal with it and to do something, and then you say, I'm not going to do it. He says, and that's sin for you. It's missing the mark. It's not living up to whatever standard that God has given to you in that moment. See, sometimes we think as long as I don't do anything evil or bad or horrible, then I'm okay. You know, God, we're cool, right? I didn't do anything bad today. And what we've got to understand, at least according to what James says, is that all the horrible, bad, evil things we do and the times we choose not to be used by God to accomplish whatever it is that God has asked us to accomplish in that moment, that they're viewed in the same way, that it's missing the mark that it's sin for us. Jesus in the New Testament, the Gospel of Luke, he makes a statement that I, I think really does kind of uh, capsulize what Spider-Man was all about. But I think it's really a statement that should be the mantra of every one of us in this room. And here's what Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 48. He said, from everyone who has been given much, much will be required. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, even more will be asked. Anyone who's been given, there's going to be a lot required from them. If you've been entrusted with a lot, much more is going to be required. And maybe in a different translation, you've heard it this way. Great gifts mean great responsibilities. Greater gifts, greater responsibilities. So if you've been given, if you have great gifts, if you've been given a lot, so much more is required of you. More responsibility is required of you. And I would tell you that every one of us in this room has a blessed life. If for nothing else, that the fact that we live in this country, now listen, I get it. America has its problems and there's a lot of times we're just a hot mess, okay? I understand that. But as I've traveled around to different countries throughout the world and doing mission opportunities and things like that, one of the things that becomes abundantly clear is that we are still the most blessed and wealthy nation that exists today, okay? And when you take that plus all the things that God has done personally, the way he's gifted you and the talents and, and things that he's given you, and combined with the personality and the temperament that you have, also with the experiences that you've gone through, when that's combined with the fact that you are wealthy, and you are a person of 
power and status, you're going, I don't know who you're talking to now because that's not me. I'm not wealthy. I don't have power. I don't have status. You do compared to the people around the world. You have a lot of those things compared to a lot of people throughout the world. And the intelligence and the education and the connections and the opportunities, when you take all of those things, the question just comes back to, how will you use all that you've been given? How will you use those things? I mean, will you, you use them just to accumulate more for yourself? Or will you use them to make a difference? To be a hero? To do heroic things? To be significant in the life of someone else? How will you use all that you've been given? Stan Lee, the creator of Marvel Comics and Spider-Man, he said this about a real superhero. He said, that person who helps others simply because it should or must be done and because it is the right thing to do is indeed, without a doubt, a real superhero. It's not the person that's flying, leaping tall buildings and all those kinds of things. It's the person that sees something that needs to be done, that should be done. It's the right thing to do. And they step up and they're willing to do it. Those are the real superheroes. And I feel like I'm extremely blessed to be surrounded by so many of you who do those things every single week. I, I really mean that, that, that you guys, so many of you, the way you serve week in and week out around uh, our campuses the, at the bridge, the way you go to neighborhoods uh, either close by or around the world, the way you have a, a, an impact on people's lives and you do heroic things for people. I just feel like I, I'm blessed to know those things just to be able to be, be around you and to watch you. And I'm going I'm to share with you a couple of people. Um, some of you know, if you're new to the bridge, we have a ministry we call our Do Good Ministry. And it's basically a ministry that we have here locally and around the globe where we just try to go to different places and do good. And hopefully as we're doing good for the people uh, in our community or around the world, it opens a door for us to be able to share the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. And so it's our Do Good Ministry. And here locally, uh, we have a, a ministry at a, an under-resourced elementary school uh, up in the North Richmond area. It's called Pink Elementary. And we've had a relationship with them for the last several years. And so many of you have made a choice to be a mentor for those kids. And the difference that it makes is unbelievable. You've given up a portion of your time and you've gone and sat with a child and basically showed them that you care. You listen, you help them with homework. You're just a friend. And it has made such a huge difference. And there's a lady in our church named Joyce Walters who heads up all of the mentors. And she gives of her time to help organize that ministry and to make sure it's running smoothly. And Melissa Toon, who is our former Do Good director, she said this about Joyce. She said, we had prayed for someone to lead our team of mentors at Pink Elementary. This team of volunteers show up with consistency and love the students they mentor at Pink. 
The prayer was that God would bring someone to our attention who would be willing and wired for this role. He did that with Joyce Walters. Because of the dedication of volunteers like Joyce and many others, children at Pink are receiving love and care from people who are willing to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our schools. Lives are being changed and with leaders like Joyce, many more will be changed in the future. That's a real superhero. Joyce and so many of you who mentor these kids, you're not just changing a life in the moment, you're changing the trajectory of that child's life because they understand somebody cares about them and is willing to give of their time just to be there with them. You're a real superhero. There's another lady that serves in our tiny town ministry here. That's our preschool ministry here on our camp. Both of our campuses have a tiny town ministry. And one particular lady is a lady named Debbie Haney. And, and if you've had children that have been through Tiny Town, you probably have had children that have been with Debbie at some point. She's been doing this for a number of years. Here's what one lady said about Debbie. I have a four-year-old who loves, loves, loves coming to church because of Tiny Town and Miss Debbie, who was my daughter's first Tiny Town leader. So I had no choice but to go to church each Sunday instead of watching the sermon online. The excitement my daughter had when going to her tiny town class made me decide to get to know God like a child again. See, Debbie Haney had an impact on a four-year-old child, but she also had an impact on a mom that decided I need to know more about God again. Another couple wrote this about Debbie. Because of leaders like Debbie Haney, our child loves going to tiny town and we are able to focus more on the message and the worship in the adult service. Our child is happier and we are better parents because of people like her. Because there's a place where children want to go to and parents feel like it's a safe place that the child loves being in and they're learning some great things. They can leave them there and they can come in here and focus completely distraction-free on the worship and on what God wants to say to them through the message that day. And the child is happier because no child wants to sit in here. The child is happier and the parents are growing because of someone like Debbie who's willing to make a difference. See, these are real superheroes. These aren't people on the movie screen. These are people in everyday life that are making a difference. They're using what they have, the gifts, the abilities, the talents they've been given and the opportunity that's right in front of them to make a difference. And they're truly making an extraordinary difference. God uses ordinary people to do the extraordinary every single day. Now, you may still sit back and say, you know what, I, that's all fine and good, but Scott, that's just not me, okay? I, you know, I, I'll take care of me, I'll take care of my family, let everybody else take care of themselves and their family, and we'll all get along great. Well, if you're a Christ follower, and if you're not a Christ follower, it's, it's okay. But if you're a Christ follower, you really can't have that mindset and live according to the scripture. 
Because the scripture is just so clear about how we are to give our lives away and invest it into other people. There's not really a a second option. There's not like, you know, I'll take the non-giving life away option in my salvation. And there's no way. It's just, it's part of who you are. Christ follower equals giving life away because of the one who gave his life away for me. And so there's no real option there. And it's why Jesus would say something like in Matthew chapter 25, he said this, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. He says, listen, anytime you're giving your life away, even for the people who society has overlooked, the least of these, you give your life toward them, you're doing it for me. Anything you're doing to serve people and to give your life, it's like doing it for me. And the implication would be, if you're not doing those things, you're not doing the things that I'm asking you to do. See, I, I, think, I think we may be surprised someday as Christians when we stand before God and the things that we give an account for. See, I think as Christians, you know, we, we tend to think, you know, I'm going to give an account for how many, you know, did I go to church all the time? Did I read the Bible? Did I pray every day? I didn't cuss, drink, or chew. I didn't date the girls that do. You know, those kind of things. That's what I'm going to have to give an account for. And I don't know if you got to give an account for that or not. But here's what I do know. I do know that we'll have to give an account for how we used all that God has given to us. Did we invest all those things into other people? Or did we just use them to accumulate things for ourselves? See, God is calling all of us, I believe, to be heroes, to live heroically. Are we willing to do that? I want to show you one last video clip, and we'll be done. It's a throwback clip. It's going to go all the way back to Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man. And he had a great relationship with his Aunt May. And his Aunt May speaks to him one day about real heroes. And I want you to see what she has to say about being a real hero. Check this out. You know, it's not just the kids in the movies that need a hero. It's the kids in your neighborhood. It's kids around the world and other neighborhoods. It's adults that you encounter. We all need heroes. We need those people that will encourage us to hang on just a little longer and not give up. That will encourage heroic qualities like honesty and courage and the ability to stay with something and not give up that would encourage us to spur us on toward love and good deeds. Everyone needs a hero. The question is, are you willing to be one? Who in your life needs a hero? Is it the kids next door or the neighbors next door? Is it the person in the cubicle next to you at work or down the hall in the office at your work? Is it the person at the gym? Is it the person on your kid's sports team? The person on the golf course, the person at the country club? Who is it in your life that needs a hero? 
that's hoping that someone would just be a bridge of hope. That there is something better in life than what you're experiencing. That would just offer that bridge of hope to a better life. Are you willing to be that person? Are you willing to be that person? See, I, I can't tell you if, you're, if your picture is going to be up on the silver screen. And everybody will be taking notice of you. But I can do one better. If you're willing to give of what you have and to live even as an ordinary person, an extraordinary life, someday you'll stand before your heavenly father and he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. And at that moment, you will understand the extraordinary life you were able to live. Let me pray for us.